0: We're looking at god's nature in verse in chapters nine, ten, and eleven uh, we've been breaking down this nature of God as we've I know you've seen this before, but we've been looking at in chapter nine the sovereignty of God in chapter ten the justice of God and in Chapter 11, we've spent several weeks looking at the faithfulness of God. We've got this week and one more week, and then we're going to be getting ready for Easter and preparing in that direction. But today, I want us to look at that God can use mistakes for his greater good. Amen? I know back in the other part of Romans, we had that verse that told us, for all things work together for the good of those who are called according to God's purpose. But we see in times in life that there are situations that we might say are unfortunate or a mishap or someone does something wrong and we're told that we should rejoice in all things but we begin seeing that even in mistakes and in misfortunes our God is still a great God he's still at work and he can use situations for his greater good far beyond what we can ever imagine and as we've been looking at Paul writing to the Gentile church in Rome We've been looking in these last few chapters about the Jews and things that are going on in their life that he wanted them to understand. And I believe that we see God's nature when we understand how he works with the Israelite nation and how he works with us as Gentiles. So I want us to read today's passage and then take just a few moments to break that down. If you would stand with me as we read from God's word, Romans chapter 11. Verse 11, I say then, did they stumble so as to fall? May it never be, but by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. Now if their transgression is riches for the world and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fullness be? But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle of Gentiles, I magnify my ministry, if somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen or my flesh and save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from dead? And if the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, the branches are too. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and became a partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast against them, remember that it is not you who supports the root, But the root supports you. You will say them, branches were broken off so I might be grafted in. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief. But you stand by your faith. Do not be haughty but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Behold then the kindness and severity of God. To those who fall, severity. But to you, God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness, otherwise you will also be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and were grafted contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these... Who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree. Father God, Lord, I do thank you so much today for your word. Father, I thank you for the richness of it. Father, I thank you for inspiring those who wrote it. Lord, that you can teach us about you. Father, we can learn intimately who you are, what your nature is, Lord, how you work. Father, the things you can do because our world tells us a different story. But Lord, I pray today and right now, Lord, that you would help me step aside. Lord, you would speak through me, a servant, a vessel willing to be used by you, called by you. And Father, I pray for those here today. And Father, those that are listening. And Father, we'll be watching, Lord, that you will soften our hearts and open our ears to hear from Holy Spirit. And Father, as the psalm says, would you open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your word. Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. We're looking here, as I mentioned, that is God can use mistakes for his greater good. And I'm so glad that God can use anything and God can make it what he wants. You know, God has a plan for what he wants. Sometimes we have to go about it the hard way. But he can use any situation. And that brings good news to me. I hope it brings good news to you. Because regardless of where you are in life, Regardless of what you have done, regardless of what you will do, God can still use you. God still loves you and he will always uphold to his promise of salvation to those who call upon him by faith. And we get the promise that as a born again believer that we have life with God and that we will have life with him through all eternity The first thing I want us to see with God can use mistakes for his greater good is the misfortune to fortune. If you have your outline there in front of you, you'll see that blank. The misfortune to fortune. What do I mean? And we're going to look at it here in just a minute. But God had chosen, God had elected the Israelite nation to be his people. But because of their misfortune, that we're going to look at in just a moment, their mistakes, the fortune got brought to the Gentiles. It got brought to us. Amen? That's good news for us. And that's what I want us to see here. Look there at verse 11. It says, I say then, did they stumble so as to fall? Here he goes again. I love how he does it. He asks the question, which would demand a negative response. But he says, may it never be The Israelite nation has not stumbled so far that they have just totally fallen away. But what has happened? He says, but by their transgressions, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. By their transgressions. What was their transgressions? Their transgressions was them rejecting Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Keep your finger there or mark that page. And let's turn to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 22. So that we get a very good picture. Because there's some important stuff in here we need to see. Getting in verse 22. Pilate said to them... What shall I do with Jesus, who is Christ? And they all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil did he do? But they were crying out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And he said, What evil did he do? And they cried out, Let him be crucified. Verse 24, Now when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing... But rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. Now listen to this. This is where it really gets serious. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and our children. God's chosen people, the Israelite nation, the Jews are now screaming for Jesus to be crucified because it got stirred up. They didn't like what he was saying, that it was by faith and that he was the son of God. They wanted him killed. They wanted him removed. His own people rejected him. But even worse than that, they said, you let his blood be on us, Pilate. Don't you worry about it. And not even on us, but how about all of our children? How scary And what they brought upon them was their transgressions that we're seeing back over in Romans chapter 11. But by their transgressions, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. Because God's chosen people chose to reject him and to crucify him, God has taken salvation and brought it to the Gentiles. He took it from the Israelite nation. Now there are still those who are accepting Christ, but not many. They are because of the blood that is on them and their children. They still do not believe that Jesus was the Savior. They do not believe that Jesus is the way to heaven. There are a few who see that. But look there at verse 12. It says, Now if their transgression is riches for the world... There it is, riches, their transgression, their refusal, their rejection of Jesus Christ becomes riches to the world. It brought salvation, it brought the good news, it brought the gospel available to everyone else in the world. And it says their failure is riches for the Gentiles because they failed to receive Christ as Messiah. Then the option came over to the Gentiles. I mean, can you kind of see God? Hey, I've chosen you, but since you're rejecting it, let me move over here and give it to this group and see what they'll do. You know, we see that sometimes you you pick teams. You have team A and B. Somebody gets on a team and doesn't do their job. We see this in the NFL and in baseball. Someone doesn't do their job. They swap them around from place to place. But it says because of their transgressions and their failures, riches for the Gentiles. But look at what he says here. How much more will their fullness be? What is Paul talking about? What is he writing to them? He's saying that for a momentary time... There is not the full number of Jews who will come to salvation. The full Israelite nation. Kind of like if you're looking at a cargo. I read this as an illustration of a cargo ship. It doesn't have a full load yet. But yet there is coming a time because it's moved over to the Gentiles. They have their fullness. But how much more will their fullness be? God is going to bring the Israelite nation back, church. That's well, why we should be praying for the Israelites. We should be praying for the Jews. We're going to see that probably next week as we finish up in this section. That he is going to bring them back. He's not done away with them. We saw up there in the first part of 11 that they hadn't fallen too far that he can't bring them back. But they're coming back. And how much more his chosen people will their fullness be? Look there at verse 15 says for their if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world what will their acceptance be but life from dead because the israelites rejected jesus as messiah it tells us here that reconciliation to the world jesus died why did he get crucified? Israelite people rejected him. They screamed out to Pilate to be crucified. Now yes, we know that this is God's plan, right? That Jesus was to come to live, to be born of a virgin, live a perfect life, die on that cross for our sins, to to pay that penalty of sin that we didn't. He didn't do any sin but he took the penalty of it and because of that reconciliation came to the world the rest of the world can be reunited to christ we can be brought back through salvation because see the whole world is separated from god through sin We're born with this sin nature. We choose within ourselves to sin against God that separates us. The whole world was separated. God gave the law originally to the Israelites. Here's what you need to do so that you know that you're a sinner. Finding out they couldn't be perfect. And then it was through faith that we talk about Abraham and his faith. But what about us Gentiles? You see, the reconciliation came because they rejected him, and they crucified him. When he died on that cross, and his blood was shed, it was shed for the whole world. John 3:16, "For God so loved the world that He gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, because the Israelites rejected him, reconciliation came. Jesus was crucified. He paid the ultimate price so that the world, anyone, whosoever will, can be reconciled to God, be brought back into a right relationship with God. Without Jesus, there is no right relationship with God. And it says, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? You see, just as we do, they will get life. From the dead. They're put out. God's calling. You've got to come by faith, not by works, not by anything you want to do. Israel, not by all your temple worship, not by all the blessings that I gave you, and that's made you stumble because I've blessed you, I've given you everything. But He says there very quickly that it is life from the dead. God chose to use the Israelite nation to proclaim his message. When they rejected him, then it moves over and God is using the Gentiles. But do you know that Paul has even said up there, he's wanting to have some come to know him. He knows that it's not the fullness time right now for the Israelites. He said it's through jealousy. You know, God gave them their blessing, now their blessing isn't there. Like it was, it's on the Gentiles, we're going to see that in just a moment. But hoping that some of them will see in one day, they will return as a nation. Look at verse 16, and if the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also, and if the root is holy, the branches are too. What is he talking about? You know, that doesn't mean a whole bunch to us today. You know, if the first part of the dough is holy, the rest of the dough is holy. But what he's doing is he's bringing back something that maybe they would remember. Let me just read to you out of Ezekiel 44. Ezekiel 44 verse 30. Listen to this. And the first of all the first fruits of every kind and every contribution of every kind, from all your contributions shall be for the priest. You shall also give to the priest the first of your dough to cause a blessing to the rest on your house. And if the first piece of the dough is holy, the lump is holy. The whole lump is the Israelite nation. The first of the Israelite nation was God's called people. And because they were holy, their whole nation is holy. And there is coming a time that they're going to come back. And it says if the root is holy, the branches are holy too. What is feeding the branches? I'm the vine, you are the branches. What's feeding the branches is holy. What's in it's going to be holy. But you see, the second thing is, because we are so blessed as Gentiles, he's writing them to you. He said, you know the misfortune of those Israelites? What they did caused a blessing to come to you. And then he's basically telling them, don't get arrogant. The second thing we're going to look at is, do not boast at the misfortune of others. How often have I seen someone make a mistake and it might benefit someone else and then they want to brag about it. You know, we're going to see here in just a minute that ought to not be it. Because you know the only reason that us Gentiles are allowed in is because sadly to say God's chosen people rejected him. They had a misfortune. They had a mistake. How dare I brag about how good I am because I'm in God's favor because you failed. I mean, that just really sounds sickening. That I'm happy I'm where I am because someone else... Yes, sometimes people fall and it betters others. We see God can use anything. Let's take a look there. At verse, uh, uh, verse 18 it says, Do not boast against the branches... But if you do boast against him, remember that it's not you who supports the root, but the root that supports you. So he's saying, don't boast about it. It's not about you. Amen. I'm glad it's not about me. Because if it's about me, wouldn't none of us be here. Because I tell you, I fail daily. But I'm in the blessing, the favor of God. Let's look at verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive were grafted in among them and became a partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree. Now what is he talking about here? Grafting. You know, I, I've read this, I've studied this before. And maybe I kind of took in the wrong direction, but really thinking about grafting. A call that I have a, used to have, I think the weather's probably got the best of it now, I think it was like a... A satsuma, a little satsuma tree. Do you know that when you buy those, that little satsuma vine or bush isn't growing on the original thing. They put it onto something else, something that's more sturdy, something that can thrive better. But what happens is it didn't change the satsuma. It was still what it is. And that's what we got to see here in just a minute. It said, but if some of the branches that were the Israelites, they're on this olive tree, were broken off. Okay? And they were brought in and we were grafted in. we were put on to this olive tree so that we can become partakers with them of the rich of the olive tree. What is this olive tree he's using? He's using an analogy here. You know, often I have heard this, that the olive tree is the church. And Jesus is the root. But the problem with that, I want you to listen, is what do we know about the church? There's no Jew or no Gentile. They're all one. Well, that's not what we're seeing here. We're seeing that there's a wild olive and a a natural olive there together. So what is he talking about? This olive tree is God's blessings and God's favor. So what we're seeing here is God chose the Israelite nation to be his people that he would bless and that he would favor. And boy did he ever lavish on them blessings and favor. And they rejected him, and because of that, it tells us there that some of the branches, not all of them, but as a whole, the Israelite nation has been broken off and set aside temporarily out of his blessing, and the Gentiles have been grafted into his blessing. We are living right now in the age that the Gentiles are receiving the blessing of God. He's still looking over the Israelite nation. They're still his nation, but they've rejected him. And at this time, most of the blessing and the favor is pouring out on us. Look around. is all you have to do. You go over to Israel, where the Israelite nation is. They're rejecting God. There's always some kind of war going on. But we see that, that some of the branches were broken off and us, the Gentiles, were grafted in. Why did we do that? To become partakers of the rich root of the olive tree. What is the partaker? When you take a plant and you graft it on, it attaches to it and it begins to become fed through the branch. It begins to become fed through the tree. And what is the rich root? Of the olive tree. What is this? Let's look at Genesis 22. Genesis 22. Beginning in verse 15. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago. Then the angel of Yahweh called to Abraham a second time from heaven. And said by myself I have sworn. Declares Yahweh. Because you have done this thing and have not spared your son. Your only one. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sands which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed." Because you have listened to my voice. So the root is Abraham. Remember we saw up there that if the root is holy, the whole branch is holy. The root, Abraham, the blessing, God chose Abraham for the blessing to come into him. He's the root to the olive tree. The olive tree is the blessing. We've been grafted in church, praise the Lord, to his blessings and into his favor because they rejected him. But how dare that I brag about what I've done. Or how dare I brag about look at us and look at them. Why? Because he tells us there that we, back in verse 18, do not boast against the branches. But if you boast against them, remember that you are not the one who supports the root, but the root supports you. We're grafted in, church. We don't do anything to that olive tree but suck from it and we suck the blessing see we don't support that the olive tree supports us Abraham through his seed supports the whole nation of all of these blessings and what a great thing that is 19 says you will say then branches were broken off so I might be grafted in here we go verse 20 he answers I love this quite right you said that right they were broken off so you could be brought in but here it tells us they were broken off why were they broken off I believe we need to learn this it says they were broken off for their unbelief they did not believe god they didn't believe what god had been telling them they didn't believe that jesus was the messiah It says, but you stand by your faith. That's the reason we're grafted in, is by our faith. But he tells us there, don't be haughty. Don't be arrogant. Don't be boastful. It says what you need to do is you need to fear. What is that fear? But we need to have a profound respect for God. We need to have a profound respect that we're allowed to be grafted in to his blessing. And we need to respect God. We need to have an awe of fear. Not uh, the fear in the sense of just trembling, oh, God might throw me out. We know better than that. But we need to respect Him that He has allowed us to come into His blessing. In verse 21: For if God did not spare the natural branches, He will not spare you either. What is He saying? They refuse to believe. And because of that, the nation as a whole was taken out. God didn't spare them at the moment. He says, Gentiles, don't you think that if you get all haughty and you get away and you go into actions and you don't start receiving God on faith, that the Gentile nation as a whole, we're not talking about individuals, but the Gentile nation as a whole can be removed from the blessing of God. There are individuals still coming to God through salvation in the Gentiles just like there are in the Jews. But that is the great thing. That when we fear him, when we have a a respect for him, the third thing on your list is there can be, praise the Lord, restoration from misfortune. It's what this whole thing is about. The Israelites had a misfortune and they are going to be restored. They're going to be brought back in. Look at verse 22. Verse 22. It says, Behold then the kindness and the severity of God. To those who fail, severity. But to you, God's kindness. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise you will also be cut off. The kindness and the severity of God. What is it? For those who fall... For those who don't believe, those who refuse to come by faith, is severity. You're cut off from God's presence. You have a life of hell. I mean, it's severe. I mean, this isn't a sermon on heaven and hell necessarily. You know, hell's not a place you want to go. Scripture tells us it's hot. It's fire. It's brimstone. You feel what's there. You don't die and then just you're gone. You stay there and you burn and you burn and you burn. The severity for those who refuse him. But the goodness to those, it says there, the goodness to those, the kindness, the quality of being helpful. God comes along, he's kind to us, he helps us, he gives us his blessings. And it says if you continue in that kindness and that faith, Because if you don't, then you will be cut off. Verse 23. And they also, if they did not continue, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. Here it goes. If they do not, when they stop failing, when they finally turn and they come by faith and believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Then he'll bring them right back. He'll restore them back together. He said they will be grafted in. They'll be put back on to that olive tree. They'll come back under those blessings. He says that he is able again to graft them in. He hadn't just set them aside. The Israelite nation will come again. Why are they going to come back? Because they see who God is through what he's doing through the Gentiles. Remember what Paul said earlier? That if maybe by jealousy... God has removed their blessing, put their blessing on us, and one day they're going to see what the blessing of God looks like, and then it comes through his son, and they're going to turn to that. And then we'll become the fullness of them, and God will receive them. Praise the Lord with open arms. He'll graft them back in to his blessings once again. Verse 24. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree how much more will those who are the natural branches be grafted into their own lives again i don't know if any of you have ever heard of a h a ironside but in one of his lectures on this chapter he brought out the fact that up there a moment ago paul was talking about taking the wild olive and grafting it into the natural olive. He said he once read, one of the critics that he reads, he says, how stupid could Paul be? You don't take wild olive and graft them into a good olive tree. It's not natural. It's not what you do. And then Iron said if he had just kept on reading... He to realize, number one, what Paul knew that. Because he said right there in verse 24, And we're grafted contrary to nature. What's normal is you take the good olive branch and you graft it into the wild olive branch, something tree that can sustain it. Something that's more, you don't take the bad and put it in there, you take the good and you put it in the bad. Paul knew that, he's saying it right here. That's the first thing that ought to clue it in. Really, probably the second in my opinion. The first thing you ought to clue in is Paul was under the direction of Holy Spirit when he wrote this. I don't think Holy Spirit would have led Paul to write the wrong thing. But how unnatural. That's what God uses is the unnatural. He uses the smallest to do the greatest. His son walked on water. That's not natural. He created everything out of nothing. That's not natural. We create things today, but we use things we already have. God works out of the natural. But he says here that though they were cut off by nature wild and grafted contrary into the cultivated olive tree, how much more will those or these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? If you take the natural olive tree branch and you attach it to the natural olive it's gonna flourish it's gonna do well that's what he's saying how much more you know what's gonna happen one day is the israelite nation will choose to turn to god to jesus as the savior and when they do salvation will explode because they're the ones that are supposed to be declaring it to start with. How much greater will the entire world... I mean, come on, our eyes are always focused over on Israel, what's what's going on. They're always in the news. They're God's chosen people. Look at what they're doing. But when they return, and God grafts them back in, boy, it will spread. But I believe at that time that he's going to be grafting them back in that the favor... And the blessing as a whole will pass. This will happen. I believe this will happen when God comes and takes his people home. Persecution happens. The Israelite nation will see once and for all that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And they will return to him. And it talks about in the end time of the great coming to him. And they will be grafted back in. Praise the Lord. While we see all of this for the Israelite nation, well, what is this for us? You know, not everything is something for us to do in Scripture, but Scripture is for all of us. It is for us to understand and there are points for us to take from there. What I want us to understand is that we are in a blessing state because of Israel's misfortune. But church, don't, that's not something to brag about. But what we must understand are we are in the blessing and favor of God. And we see one day that God is going to uphold to his promise. God is a great God, amen? God keeps all of his promises, amen? God made a covenant of, through Abraham that through your seed... Jesus Christ came through that. Jesus Christ is still on the throne today. But the blessing and favor is there that He's going to go back to them. So for us, it lets us know we see God's nature. He can take the trash around us, He can take our messed up lives, and He can work out for His greater good. He is faithful. He's able to keep His promises. More than that, He does. And we know that it tells us that he will keep us until the day of his return. So while we do see that Israel is still God's chosen people, we are benefiting from his blessings today. Amen? But we are looking forward to that day that God reunites his chosen people with himself. See, God can use mistakes for his greater good. The mistake of the Israelite brought salvation and reconciliation to the entire world. I'm glad they did it. I'm not gonna boast, but I'm glad because I wouldn't be standing here today, nor would any of you be sitting right here today if it wasn't for that. May you bow your heads.